Did you know that 9 out of 10 UK shoppers will abandon a store using US dollars? I did not know that. Did you also know if someone leaves your store to use a currency converter, two out of three won't return? Well, that doesn't sound good. Not showing prices in customers' local currency might be one of the biggest contributors to your bounce rate. What do I do? If you ship internationally, a multi-currency app is an absolute must. Okay, which one should I get? Well, the folks at Bold make the best multi-currency app out there. What's so great about it? It auto-detects where your customers are shopping from and then shows them their correct local currency so you don't lose them in the first second that they load the site. How? It syncs in real time with a currency database, so it's always up to date. Can I adjust those rates? If you set it to sync real-time rates but want to pad that conversion by a few percent to net a little extra for yourself, you could do that too. What else can it do? It optionally supports vanity pricing, so if you wanted all your prices to end in, say, 99 cents, it could do that for you as well. Sold. How do I get it? Right now, Bold is offering listeners of the unofficial Shopify podcast their Bold multi-currency app free for two months. Just go to curdelster.com slash bold to install it and claim your exclusive offer. That's curdelster.com slash bold. What's the number one customer support request you get? I bet it's, hey, where's my order? My friends at Ventov, makers of SEO Meta Manager, have a solution for this. It's called Order Lookup. And it lets customers look up their orders, right, good name, with either their email or order number, reducing the order inquiries you get in your inbox. We use it on our own high-volume Shopify Plus client stores like Hoonigan and Yvonne Stells to provide real-time order info to customers with a fully customizable order lookup page so you can keep that thing on brand. And hey, if you're a dropshipper, it even works with ePacket. You can get a seven-day free trial when you search order lookup in the App Store. Today on the Unofficial Shopify Podcast, we are going to talk about a delightful beverage. We're going to talk about tea, not just any tea, matcha. We're going to talk to Eric Gower, who is uh, a incredible man with uh, quite quite the background. Uh, he is a delight to talk to, but he's going to tell us how and why his specialty matcha company decided that direct-to-consumer was a way better choice for them than traditional wholesale, how they communicate with their customers in a phenomenal way, how they have amazing educational resource, a full library with an unbelievable amount of info about matcha in it, and how email and storytelling has been their their best growth strategy. Eric, how are you doing? I'm doing just fine, Kurt. It's such a pleasure to be here. Oh, I'm glad. Uh, so what's what's your store? What's the name of your, your brand? It is Breakaway Matcha. Breakaway Matcha. Hmm. Yeah. And what does Breakaway Matcha sell? Breakaway Matcha sells really great matcha. You know, it, most people think that matcha is matcha in the way that, you know, in the 1970s, a lot of people thought kind of like wine was wine. You know, you had your your uh, your, your Ernest and Julio Gallo, you know, in the jug and the Carlo Rossi. And you probably, you're too young to remember those days. But, uh, you know, in the same way that, that, that wine has really, and, and coffee is another example. You know, it used to be, you know, and my mother would, would put on her pot of uh, Maxwell House coffee, you know, and then sometime in the 1980s, you know, Starbucks and Pete's and these kind of like, you know, more European style coffees came along. And then the third wave of coffee came along with the blue bottles and the verves and all those fancy coffees. And something very similar has happened with matcha. Um, 
it, it, it started off as a kind of just like this beverage. You threw a lot of milk and sugar in it because the quality tended not to be so good. And it had these associations of health. And so a lot of people kind of wanted it. Some people stopped drinking coffee in an, in an effort to get a little healthier with matcha. But people didn't really realize that in Japan, it, it really is this kind of, it can be this Epicurean experience, a lot like good wine or good coffee uh, is. And so there was nothing on the market like that. Um, it's, it, first of all, it's hard to find. It's hard to find farmers that can actually produce really, really high quality matcha. Um, but I lived in Japan for quite a long time. I was there for nearly 20 years all in, and I got to know quite a few of them. And um, one thing led to another, and I just started drinking tons of the good stuff and turning my friends onto it. I, I'm also involved in the food world. I, I'm a cookbook writer, and so I have a lot of chef friends. And I started giving them to them, and they were like, holy crap, this is, this is so good. I just can't believe how good this is. And a business was born. I never really meant to, to, uh, to start the business in that way. It was really a demand-led thing among my friends. Hmm. So you, you went to Japan. You discovered that you loved matcha, so you've got your own interest here. And you wanted to share that experience. You started sharing it with friends. And they said, okay, we like it. How do we get more of it? And this is what led to a business? That's exactly what happened. And you was this before or after you you were in Japan for you said close to twenty years. Now you're you're back in in California, um, in in Marin. And did you so did the business start in Japan or the U.S.? It started in the U.S. Um, I had come back from Japan uh, in 2002 and uh, was was doing a lot of private chefing. And as, my, as I mentioned, I was writing cookbooks and I had a column in, in the San Francisco Chronicle. Most people in Japan experience matcha in a ceremonial context. And as I said, the, the tea almost plays a secondary role in the ceremony. But for me, it was just this wild kind of drink. Like, you know, it's not like other teas. It's um, you, you grind up the entire leaf. So it's green tea that's that's uh, not oxidized. It's just you pick the green leaf, the green tea leaves, you steam them for six seconds. You dry them in these crazy dryers that look like, you know, medieval uh, big hair drying rooms. It's really trippy. Um, and then you store them. You store those those uh, steamed dried leaves in paper bags that are like 10 kilograms each in freezers in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the tea processors in Japan. That's how they do it. And um, so you put a little hot water in, the, in that powdered tea. And you whisk it around either with a traditional whisk, uh, a funny little bamboo tool that a lot of Japanese use, or as our preference is, an electric whisk. Um, and we, we, we you foam it up into this really, really foamy drink with hot water and you drink it. So it's, it's got a lot of texture and mouthfeel. It's almost like a really thick espresso. Yeah, it has like a, uh, like a soft velvety taste to it. And it is this like the, the straight powder is just this brilliant, lovely... It's like a micro powder. It's ground so fine. It is this just bright, bright green that there's some, this. It is a very attractive color. Yeah. Yeah. It, it looks like this must hit. There's no way you did this without food coloring is the level of or, green or, or passing it through Fukushima. You know what I mean? Right. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's got like a, a black light glow to it. So how do I totally. tell I could buy matcha at the store? I'm guessing yes. it's not great. I can get matcha at Starbucks. What, how do I tell the difference between good or bad matcha? Because I think this is where your brand has really excelled, is in being able to communicate the difference and get people hooked on the difference. So let's start there. If I'm I'm a consumer, I'm like, yeah, I've, I've had matcha at Starbucks. I like it. You're saying you've got, you got the better stuff. What's the difference? How do I tell? So we got the bright color and 
obviously if I like try them side by side, it'd be say like, well, one is subjectively better. You know, when a consumer goes into that, he goes into a, you know, even a fancy market, you know, um, I mean, Whole Foods is not a fancy market, but, but, but fancier than Whole Foods. Imagine that. And, you know, you might see a matcha in there. You have no idea what it is. It might say product of Japan, which is a good sign, but you can't look at the color because it comes in a, you know, a tin usually, it usually comes in metal. Ours comes in glass. I can tell you why in a minute, but um, it, 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 you really don't know what you're getting. You can't look at it. You can't smell it. You can't taste it. You're just sort of trusting, maybe usually based on price, whether it's any good or not. And, you know, it's, it's a gamble. So I feel sorry for consumers that way. And then if you go into Starbucks and you say, give me a, uh, give me a matcha, um, they'll, it, this thing is, is, is it, it's typically, I mean, I don't know if they still do this, but in the, in the early days, they used to just uh, mix the, the really quite bad quality matcha with powdered sugar. And it was this kind of like weird, bright, odd colored drink. And, you know, frankly, that's what a lot of the, the, the matcha is in the United States. Um, you know, you go into any cafe and if they've got a matcha drink there, it's unlikely they're paying what they probably should be paying for good matcha for the sole reason that they're milking and sugaring it up. You know, the good stuff should, you know, it should have that, that foamy cappuccino like mouthfeel. It's different than regular traditional tea. Um, it's got, and really the dead giveaway is that like neon color, the stuff at Starbucks is like a darker color. Um, yeah, army, army color. Like cheap matcha reminds me of, of creative, that real dark color. Uh, all right, so you're you're in the U.S. You're selling matcha to friends. At what point does it occur to you like this is more than a side hustle, or this should be a business, or this should be a formal business or an online store? Like, what's the what's the the light bulb moment there? Well, it was just the sheer amount of interest, you know, like it, I was, I, I still have um, I, a lot of ties to Japan, even though I've, you know, I've been back here 18 years, but you know, I, on my trips there, I would, I would visit my guys in Kyoto and I would, you know, stock up, you know, bring a suitcase full back and, and that kind of thing. And it was, again, it was not really meant to, to uh, have any kind of business. It was really a self, um, self-fulfilling uh, endeavor you know, and, and for my friends, but, but at one point it just got to be too much. It was just like, okay, I, I need to figure this out. And so, you know, I had some meetings with, with the, with the best growers, um, that I, that I knew, you know, these guys that really, really cared, like the, the truly obsessive ones. Um, and so I, they were my teachers and, and I absorbed a lot from them and holy crap, this really is a business because nobody's doing it and they're not even doing it in Japan, frankly. So there, there really is not a very robust market in Japan for this super high grade tea. There's huh. enough of it because, you know, and, and there, there's enough of it and it sells, but you know, we buy most of it basically. I want to know at what point do you launch the website and then how do you educate people on the difference? So, uh, how did you, you've got the, the website up, it's breakawaymatcha.com. It looks great. Really good looking. What, uh, when did the site go up? I, I incorporated the business in 2010 and um, spent the next six months, you know, getting it ready and figuring out what we're going to sell. We only started with three products. So we went live in the spring of 2011, which was, I mean, I mean, talk about timing, you know, the, the, the Fukushima nuclear accident happened exactly right around then. Um, and so, you know, literally, agricultural products from Japan were, you know, radioactive. I mean, I mean that in a literal sense, but among consumers perceptions of Japanese agricultural products, they thought that the, the, the nuclear accident at Fukushima, um, uh, you know, had, had permanently tainted all Japanese agriculture, including, you know, rice and miso, all of it. And that was just a, you know, that wasn't true. It was very contained to around, you know, the Sendai area, but um, um, yeah, so it was, a, it was a rocky start in some ways, but, but I, I really um, gained a lot of confidence that we were onto something because we were, we were still growing like crazy, even given that. 
So I, I, I was, I think it was validated that, wow, this is something that people, you know, they really don't know about, but they want it anyway. Um, and so it was really our job to educate them on, on what this is. And so, you know, I did, like I mentioned in the beginning, it, it helps to use metaphors that people are familiar with. So people are familiar with coffee and they're, they're familiar with wine. And it's really a short step to understand matcha if you use those metaphors in a similar way. Um, and, and there's no, you know, replacement for actually tasting it because, you know, you can, you can read all day about how to swim, but until you get in the water, you know, it's a very different experience. So yeah, education has always been a, a really key part of it. And, uh, I'll just mention, you know, one part of our website, we call it the research database. I couldn't find anywhere on the internet that had collated all of the many, many, um, turns out there's more than a thousand studies, medical and clinical studies on some of the health benefits on, on, you know, the efficacy of matcha in, in, uh, you know, clinical settings. And there's a lot of research in Japan about this. And there's, there's quite a bit in the United States actually. Um, so there's a, a ton of citations. And it's just, it's just, you know, it's, it's beautiful. It's aesthetic. It gives you a chance to kind of pause. And that's a lot of our messaging too. And it, this may be a good chance to segue into, you know, you'd mentioned that storytelling in the beginning is, is a big part of what we do. And it, it really is because, you know, it, 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 pausing is so important in this world we live in. You know, it, we are just jangled. Our nerves are jangled. I mean, especially this year with COVID and our current administration and everything else. But, but um, you know, uh, information is, is pinging us and assaulting us everywhere we turn, you know, life is just so different than it was, you know, pre-internet and, and even a couple of years ago, I think it's different. And, and making a cup of daily matcha really does hit a kind of pause button. And, that, and this is what I talk about in a lot of my letters. Like I write letters to our, to our customers every month and I, I love these letters and it's, it really helps me figure out, you know, why we're doing this at all. And, and part of it is this idea of pause and, and let's just take five minutes, surely we can afford five minutes, you know, in our busy day to breathe and to, you know, put a pot of water on the kettle and let it boil, sift our matcha into our little cup, you know, and, and carefully maybe measure the temperature. You never want it more than 175 degrees else it will scald this delicate matcha. You, you know, it's a bad idea to use water hotter than 175 degrees and, and really take your time and whisk it and then sit with it for a minute and just, you know, don't do anything. Don't, Try not to check your email. Try not to like <laughs> multitask. You know, it's, it's, to me, it's a, just a tremendous resetting. Uh, and it, it sets a, a, a good, um, a good start of the day when you do this. And I think that, that, that's a kind of core message that we have. And I think that resonates with a lot of people nowadays. Oh, absolutely. With the, the signal to noise ratio in everyone's 2020 life is, is pretty horrifying. And like, it, my house is the worst. Like, to, 17 Alexa devices yelling at me and <laughs> there's always a screen on within view because of God knows what reason. It's, Maybe we should reduce that to like eight or something, Kurt. Come on. <laughs> I think it is literally nine of them. I used it as a whole house speaker system, but the result is like, there's always one is squawking at me. Oh my God. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. It's uh, it got a little out of control. It's, it's okay. Well, all right. When you launch, launch the breakaway matcha website, how mm -hmm. did you, what was the process to get those first few orders to start getting traction in the marketplace? Well, I believe that, um, well, first of all, let me say, I, we've never advertised. We have never advertised at all. Um, so, you know, it, it, I think Google and Facebook are some of these, you know, the quickest ways for small businesses to lose a whole lot of money, unless you've got some kind of venture backing or you just have very deep pockets, you know, understanding the, the, the curve 
uh, to actually use these platforms profitably for small businesses is quite difficult, I would say. And I, I would agree with a that. lot of people. Yeah, I think it leads a lot of people astray. So we, that wasn't our, our, our focus. The focus was communication. I mean, you know, in the beginning, there aren't that many people to communicate with because you've just launched a website. But, you know, I, I, I wrote a lot of blogs. I think we're up to 200 some different aspects of matcha on a blog. And, um, you know, when, when people ordered, you know, part of our thing was that we would we would handwrite a, a note on every single order. We still do this to this day, even though it's untenable, but we do it anyway. Um, it, it's one of those things, you know, Reed Hoffman has often said, uh, you know, do things that are unscalable. And I, I totally believe that. I, I think it's right. And you know, writing personal notes is completely unscalable, but man, does it work? You know, you, you treat the customer, not like they're so used to getting Amazon and these, you know, these crappy, you know, these, these weird plastic uh, pillows that they come in and it's, you know, it's just the whole experience is kind of, I don't want to call it degrading because there's a use for that. You don't really care if you're buying, you know, cat litter on, on Amazon, you know, how it's packaged or you don't need a, you know, you don't need a note from the cat litter people necessarily, but if you're, if you're selling a product like we are, it, it makes such a difference. And so, you know, we, we like to make the unboxing experience nice too. I mean, it's kind of become a cliche at this point, but um, it, it really does matter. You know, you get this cool box in the mail and it just sets the tone for this pausing that we were talking about. It's like, wow, these, these people really care about what, what they put in this box and what they say, you know? Um, so, it, so we talk to customers, you know, like, so somebody orders, they leave a phone number, I'll call them up. Why not? You know, um, you know, we, we text people that, that's becoming a bigger part of our business. Actually, um, we're going to go full on SMS communication uh, in the next few months. Um, we'll certainly be there by spring of uh, next year. And I think that's going to, um, that's going to make a big difference for us as well. We have pretty high open rates on our emails. It's something like 60%, which what? is you know, fairly high. I know it's kind of crazy. Sixty. Um, good. I mean, I don't want to say, I don't, it's, it sounds like I'm boasting, but I'm not. They're, they're interesting. They're the opposite of spam. They're like, they're, they're little messages that people, you know, seem to resonate with. And um, people look forward to getting them. I get notes all the time. And, you know, I, but with, How often with SMS, you send these emails? Uh-huh. How often do you send them? Only once a month. Okay, so once a month we send one out. It's a 60% open rate. Um, yeah. And that, so that own channel, that email marketing, that has really been like. That's it. Help. That is absolutely. Drive it. the. Yep. Uh, yep people signing up for the list buying and then also of course the repeat customer rate 60 percent open rate oh my god yeah but i think with you know from all the research i've done with sms it's i mean it's something whack like 98 percent open it you know yeah it's 98 Um, 99 is pretty typical yeah which is pretty crazy so we're 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 gonna do both you know we're gonna keep doing what's working and i you know gives it slightly longer form with with uh email but and and i'm gonna try to you know get a little pithy with uh with the text because you have to be and we started on this really thing called a cool thing called community it started off with a bunch of like celebrity and rappers who were trying to you know communicate with their fans directly versus going through all their layers of people that they have and so you know people like drake and and all these other people were, were using this platform to send out texts and it really does feel like you're getting a text from drake or whoever it is and um uh, it, it, we, we somehow uh, had a connection to the owner of this thing and, and we got one. So we, we started sending out little texts as well. And that's, that's working well. So we're going to, we're going to continue that, but it's very non-commercial, you know, another thing that I'll mention, there's this incredibly cool company out of England called Hyatt Jeans. It's spelled, um, I think it's spelled H-I-U-T and our, their, their emails that they send out and their whole messaging is so artful, I can't even tell you. I mean, it, I would encourage listeners to go there and study it. We did. And we're trying to not emulate it but because we have our own way of doing things. But, but certainly, it's a, it's a great example of how to do email 
marketing correctly. And it turns out that, you know, there's less marketing and more talking, you know what I mean? More, more listening and more, um, less, less, uh, less commerce driven, I would say. You know? Yeah. I, I just went commerce- on Hyatt Denim's website and they, it's H I U T. I'll put it in the show notes. Um, and there's a, a banner, a pop-up banner that comes down and the, it's an opt-in for a PDF that says, this user manual will help you do your best work ever. A user manual for creativity. Yeah. Who's going to say no to that? Yeah. <laughs> Hyatt Denim. And it's like men's jeans, but they're talking about creativity. Um, it's very interesting. Yeah. So they do create, it's not just about like the transaction. It's more about you like the story. You're, yeah, the story and this type of person. Hold up. It's safe to say that most of us have been doing more shopping online lately. I know I have. There's just a pile of packages in front of my door. I can't even get the front door open. But if you're an e-commerce brand, that means you might be seeing more first-time customers. But once they've made that first purchase, how do you keep them coming back? That's what Klaviyo is for. Klaviyo is the ultimate email and SMS marketing platform for e-commerce brands. It gives you the tools to build your list, send memorable emails, automate critical messages, and more. Way, way more. That's why more than 30,000 e-commerce brands like Chubby's, Brooklinen, and Keysmart use Klaviyo to build a loyal following. Strong customer relationships mean more repeat sales, enthusiastic word of mouth, and less depending on third-party ads. Now, whether you're launching a new business or taking your brand to the next level, Klaviyo can help you get growing faster. And it's free to get started. Visit Clavio.com to create your free account. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O.com. Talk to him. So tell me about that, that storytelling, because you've got, all right, you've got the, the website. When I landed, the, the website's beautiful. It's consistent. It's got this take a quiz section um, as that's our lead. That's your like cult, main call to action on the hero. And then we've got this, this monthly newsletter with a 60% open rate. You're doing SMS with community, which sounds really cool. Uh, and you've got this resource library. Okay, so tell me, uh, and this is all just to sell expensive but delicious tea. So tell me about the storytelling. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's kind of romantic in some ways. Like, you know, I mean, this is a, this is a thousand year old fad. I mean, you know, matcha, matcha's been around for a thousand years. A thousand year old some... fad. That would, might be a cool headline <laughs> tagline to use somewhere. I like that. It might actually, it might. Um, and it's, it's very cool. Like, um, you know, but, but in the end, the, the ceremony thing really is not for um, audiences outside of Japan, I feel, other than, of course, you know, a small minority of people who want to emulate such a thing. And there are, they do exist. There are tea societies all over the world that do this. But, you know, for most people, they just are, they, they want the kind of health benefits. They want to make a cup of tea in a reasonable amount of time. They want to, they want to look at it, enjoy its beauty. And so, you know, that's where we sort of broke away from the ceremony and, and made it into a drink that uh, is really a kind of ideal accompaniment to, the year 2020 in many ways, you know, the more jangly the world gets, the cooler this product is, you know? The, no, absolutely. Wait, was this site always on Shopify or was it on something else? No, we were on big commerce in the beginning and it was, I wouldn't call it a nightmare, but uh, it was more difficult than it should have been. And so we finally made the move to Shopify and we're glad we did. Oh, thank God. Big commerce. Yeah, I know. I know. You got a sound effect for big commerce? Uh, yeah, that's anytime <laughs> someone mentions big commerce. It, <laughs> I'm sure big commerce is fine. I just have to give them a They're fine. I'm sure they're fine too. But, yeah. but Shopify's better. But yeah, so you were like, all right, I was on 
big commerce, saw Shopify, yeah. and then just had to get over to it. <laughs> I'm abusing the soundboard again. Uh, well, actually, well, let's talk about the migration. What I, I'm in the process of doing a big commerce Shopify migration right now. I used a, a migration service to, for it. It worked extremely well. Uh, cart to cart. Which I think it's just like shoppingcartmigration.com or something to that effect. Yeah, but those guys, I think they're out of, they're somewhere in Eastern Europe. I think they're out of Poland, maybe I want to say. Um, uh, yeah, I, yeah, their customer support reps have had like definitely yes. Slavic sounding names. Yes, exactly. And and they're they're pretty rough. You know, we 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 used them in the beginning to do the migration. We we wound up firing them. They 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 didn't do a very good job. We had all kinds of data that we that we needed in certain ways, and they just were not able to deliver and they were not able to explain why. And they would they were not they couldn't cooperate. They just didn't do the work. So we, we couldn't use them and we wound up using, uh, then we went through one more who, who couldn't do it either. And then we went through a third one that somebody had recommended like this guy, you know, who had done a lot of them, you know, we wound up paying probably way more than we should have, but at least the work got done and, and we're glad we did it. No, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Sometimes yeah. you just like good, fast, cheap pick two is, the, is what you have to deal balance when dealing with professional services. That's it. That's exactly it. So on your site, you've got this quiz. It says when you land on the homepage, it has a big, beautiful hero image that would totally work as a video of just like matcha being poured in slow-mo uh, that in like 20 seconds loop it. But all right, I digress. We've got a hero image and it says 18 grades of matcha. Which one is yours? Take the quiz. And when I take the quiz, it takes me to a page called quiz. Is this type form? It looks like a well-styled type form. It is type form. Cool. And then it says, what's my experience level? I'm going to say I have some experience. Uh, how do you prepare it? Well, you know, I, I've been going with, with cold just because it's the easiest, but I clearly I'm, I'm screwing that up. No. No, the whisk method is... sounded better. A foaming wand would be cool. So the quiz, you know, it tries to get at where you are. Do you add milk? Do you like it cold? Or do you just want to drink it straight up? I didn't know because there's other, like there are vendors that have um, Shopify specific quiz solutions that are just really quite extraordinarily possibly excessively expensive and yet here you've got type form an off-the-shelf solution that worked really really well is that like is there some customization here are you happy with this there thing is, but not much i mean i, I they don't you can't really go nuts with the with the typography you can't really do what you want to do i mean it's limited it looks like it matches it's on brand it kind of is. I don't. I don't know if I agree. I think it's slightly off brand. It it can be. You know, it, it's not off off, but it could be so much better. I mean, we want to. It's something we want to address in the new year as to how to make that better. And that's a that's a big priority for us actually. But okay. yeah, that thing does generate quite a bit of leads, and and um, you know, people find us via that, and and you know, pretty much all organic search is how we get found. Well, you have. I mean, just the the tremendous amount of content you do on such, you went very deep on a very narrow topic. Certainly yeah. that has to have tremendous SEO benefit. You know, you would think so. And it kind of does. I mean, like if you just do a search for matcha, I think we appear on page two, you know, the, the, everybody that appears on page one is kind of this, you know, the, these, these sellers and, and there's a lot of news oriented stuff on page one, but, but, you know, I, I would think we'd be better off than we actually are. <laughs> SEO has given given the content, and somebody from Google. I ran into somebody at Google at a, at a TED conference in Vancouver, and he was, you know, Matt Cutts. Do you know who Matt Cutts is? Yeah, you he ran was, into Matt like, Cutts. I did. I was peeing next to him in the bathroom. Oh my god! <laughs> and I said, "Hey, Matt, you know." Here's this dilemma I've got. We've got more content than anybody on this subject. What the hell? Why aren't we ranking on page one? He didn't really have an answer for me. But but he 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 didn't he didn't email me later. 
because I gave him my card and I said, man, I would just so appreciate it if you could just, you know, take a quick look at it. And he did bless his heart. Very sweet man. Um, and, and he said, you know, Google thinks you're a magazine. You're not really an e-commerce person. It, it, Google thinks you're a magazine. Therefore it's not, it's not really ranking you. I mean, it is, but not the mm. way you'd think it would. And so, you know, I, he didn't have a fix for it. He just said, keep writing. I mean, it, you know, in the end, it will bubble up is what he said uh, once, you know, it, 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 I, I don't know when it will, but I, I'm hoping it's right. And one day we do get on page one. Well, and, you and know. Uh, keep writing. You did. There's 986 results for this site <laughs> indexed at Google. So good work. So what's the, you know, you're saying like, well, well, this quiz, it doesn't quite have the aesthetic we want. What's What are some of the other pain points with, um, you know, having this direct to consumer e-commerce business for you? Um, you know, customer service is kind of, I love customer service. I do all of it myself. And that's kind of, I spend a lot of my time doing it. And I, I think that's important for founders to do. Like a lot of founders kind of, you know, can't wait to get away from, from customer service. I never felt that way. I, I, I'm starting to feel that way a little bit now after 10 years of doing this, but um, it took me a long time to get, get tired of it. Um, it. It's really the best way to, to get to know your customers. I mean, there is no better way. I mean, do you really want to outsource your customer service to the Philippines? I don't think so, you know, especially for a product like this. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it, in the end, it, it comes back to communication and, and, you know, these are the people buying your thing. Why wouldn't you want to talk to them? Right. And if you can guide them toward a product that they, that is right for them, you know, that there's, there's something satisfying about that. And it, it does have a, a kind of cumulative uh, snowball effect. I would say, first of all, people are thrilled that, you know, I answer the phone and, and actually talk to, you know, they get to talk to a human, which is increasingly rare these days. Um, and, and second of all, you know, to actually take your time and, and really treat them like a human and, and talk to them, you know, like solve their problems for them. To me, that's, that's a, a kind of privilege. Um, until it gets unsustainable, which it's starting to do. And I, you know, when I hire someone to actually take this over for me, they're going to have to, you know, do it the way I've been doing it. And I I just need to spend my time, you know, doing other things because there's a lot of fires on the fires in the pit um, that need my attention. So I I am looking for somebody to to take this over, but I I haven't, I haven't found anybody yet. And I'm I'm sure I will, but, but it's a big job. It's like the important job. And that's what I would say to a lot of your listeners, if they're merchants listening, and I'm sure there are many, um, you know, don't outsource your, your customer service. This is the heart of the matter. These are the people who are keeping you in business. That's wow. That is quite the, the mindset shift. Um, Yeah. Yeah. What are some of the, what's another pain point in this business? Um, another pain point, um, you know, just, God, I don't know. People asking the same questions over and over, obviously is a, is a pain point. Um, well, I know, think I got a fix of- for that. So they go to, <laughs> well, let's say they go, uh, oh, I guess there's not a contact us page. So it's kind of interesting. You have under like in the footer, it says help, call us, email us. And it's yeah. a telephone link and an email link. If yeah. these were like, went to a contact page and we led with a, the FAQ, well, maybe yeah. we could preempt some of those questions. True. I mean, if people actually bother, I mean, if they see a link to call, they're, they're going to probably click it, you know. Um, <laughs> but I, I think it's helped us. I really do. I think it's got us to where, or at least was partially responsible for, for I, where yeah, we I think are. So. Uh, you know, at one point we, we probably more, but that, that's a good problem, right? These are the kind of problems you want to have. And we did create a, a very exhaustive FAQ that, you know, every question I could possibly think of is in there. But does anybody read it? Not really, you know. <laughs> it's well, there. if there's like if three wanted... questions that people ask over and over, my solution is always, 
put those at the top of the contact us page. And then you say, hey, like other questions could be answered immediately. So you're going to spell the benefit out for them. You can answer your question immediately with this FAQ, uh, with our FAQ. So hopefully they've got the top three. Then maybe they check the FAQ when they see that these top three were actually helpful. And then and maybe the top three is like, hey, where's my stuff? Or, hey, how do I do a return or exchange? Well, those first two, you can get an app like um, Ventoff Order Lookup to handle the order lookup. So like 95% of those go away. And then the other, like returns and exchanges, use an app like Bold Returns Manager. Ah, and now um, you can really streamline that process. Well, I'm going to have Chris, our, our, our technical guru, uh, listening to this and, and, and copying down exactly what you just said and enabling it. So there you <laughs> yeah, go. Yeah, because you're saying like, oh, well, I, I, you know, I like doing the customer support. I think it's valuable. But the annoyance is, you know, going right. through the same things over and over. Well, OK, maybe right. you don't have to give up customer support. You just need to automate or slow down parts of it. Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. that makes perfect sense. <laughs> I think that's pretty good. Uh, yeah, well, so as long as I'm here for this interview, are there uh, any other app recommendations you need? Uh, God, I mean, well, we could talk about apps for a moment if you like. I mean, we've been a very big fan of Clavio, and that's been that's been a, uh, a godsend for us. I mean, it's it's worth many, 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 many times the two hundred dollar month, two hundred fifty dollar monthly fee we pay. Uh, you know, uh, we, we've been we've been using this this app called Root. Have you heard? The shipping it, it's shipping insurance, right? It's incredible. Yeah. It's What's shipping. it do? This, Talk me through it. Oh my God. This has solved so many problems for us. So for a small fee, it's a percentage of the, of the total. It's usually about 1%. So somebody pays, you know, hundred dollars for matcha for about a buck. They can get, uh, they can get shipping insurance and, and, and root will take care of all shipping headaches. You just send it to them and they'll, they'll, uh, they'll make the customer whole in whatever way it takes necessary, you know? And, and it's, it's actually started with Lloyd's of London, the great British uh, insurance company. Um, yeah, so th- this, this app has been great for us because it will just take care of any problem about a package not arriving or uh, being late or whatever it is, you know? It just automatically gets rooted to them. And uh, it's worth its weight in gold, I would say. That's pretty, that sounds pretty good. And I've heard other people sing sing the uh, routes praises yeah um, and it costs us nothing i mean the, the customer pays for it they that's the magic of the 98 it. cents oh my god they would rather pay the 98 cents and have a guaranteed delivery i mean it's great there's, there's nothing not to like about it Who's, they were using uh, route or maybe clyde and they said wait what like we don't pay anything for it the customer it gets passed through to route and they said well why don't we just offer that insurance ourselves and then reship and so they did it. They, they just created a product called shipping insurance that people could optionally add to the cart. And it actually was a pretty decent revenue driver. I'm sure it was. Yeah. So it worked pretty well. And then the insure, the quote unquote insurance is, all right, if they could confirm it's gone, they just, they, they reship the item. Now with the one advantage, like with USPS is you could, if an item doesn't show up, you could call the local post office and they take it very ser- fairly seriously. What's a key takeaway here? What's like the one thing that you now you've, you've retold your story, you're looking back on it. What's like the one thing that you think is, is paramount to your success? What's the, the cornerstone here? Or if you had to go back in time 10 years and give yourself a piece of advice like, hey, here's the thing to, to focus on to stick to. What do you think it is? What do you think has driven your your success? Uh, this marathon success where it's like slow and steady. Do things that aren't scalable right? Write those notes, call people. They're, they, don't try to be, you know, 
I, I don't know, DoorDash, like venture funded, you know, acquire customers at any cost, paying ungodly amounts to do all these things, you know, um, do it the old fashioned way, which is just talk to people who, who are your customers. I mean, it really is that simple. We've been harping on that, but um, I think that's been the key and, and it's very underrated because it's it, frankly a lot of work, you know, nobody really wants to do the amount of work that that takes, but God, it, to us, it's been, you know, very much worthwhile. And, um, and, and to customers, I mean, to delight a customer, there's nothing better. I mean, you know, we just have ridiculous return rates for, um, you know, like uh, first time purchasers becoming second time purchasers as a result of this. So it's, it's very easy to, to keep people if you just treat them well, right? I mean, how hard is that to understand? I, I really <laughs> like that takeaway. I think that's fabulous yeah. advice. Do things yeah, that aren't scalable, too. treat people like people, uh, and, and wash, rinse, repeat, and see what happens. Because it, it's a, you're saying, hey, invest in relationships, and that, that relationship with the customer is still a relationship. It is. And, and particularly in the beginning, I would say, you know, I mean, if you're full going and you, you know, you got 200 employees, I mean, it's obviously harder to start over and do that. Right. But, um, but for anyone contemplating, you know, starting a new business or just like getting on Shopify and like really trying to figure out how to make this thing work, you know, just make all of the focus on customers. Like, I mean, that's Amazon's secret, right? I mean, Bezos has been saying that since day one. It, it really is true. It's just like, you know, the people who buy your stuff are the ones not anything else that that's it i like it all right i mean that that's fabulous let's leave it there where eric where could people go to get your fabulous matcha well breakawaymatcha.com is the only place you can get it i mean we do have a couple of wholesale uh, things that we do with like you know local local uh, uh outlets um you know some restaurants and stuff but god there are no restaurants anymore covid has uh has, has really slayed the whole wholesale market. And I'm, I'm so glad that we went direct to consumer. So yeah, that's really the only place is our website. It's just breakawaymatcha.com. And uh, if I can make a recommendation, try try the cold brew. It is is truly fabulous. Right on, man. So I, I have the same recommendation. It's a good it's a good entry point too. It's not expensive. It's one of our least expensive ones. And it, if that doesn't get you hooked, I don't know what will. Eric, thank you so much for being here. It has been a, a delight. Oh, always, Kurt. Thank you for having me. It's been great. Thank you. If you've ever updated your Shopify theme, you know how time-consuming it can be, especially if you have to migrate customizations like app installs or language edits. Fortunately, there's a better way. The folks at Out of the Sandbox built a tool that makes updating your theme faster and significantly easier. It's called the Theme Updater app. With it, you can update your Out of the Sandbox or Pixel Union theme with the click of a button without losing any of your old settings, customizations, or app installations. You'll get email notifications whenever a new version of your theme is available, and with the Pro Plan option, you can enjoy access to priority theme support, retain custom language edits, and view template customizations to accelerate your theme updates. Start updating your theme today! Go to outofthesandbox.com unofficial to see the theme updater in action. And best of all, if you purchase Flex or Turbo using the code KURT20, you'll save 20% and get a year of access to the theme updater absolutely free. That's right. Save 20% and get one year of updates and upgrades for free. That's code KURT20 for 20% off Flex or Turbo and one year free of the Theme Updater app. Never miss out on another theme update again. If you'd like to help us spread the joy of entrepreneurship, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. 
If you're listening on a smartphone, tap or swipe up over the cover art of this podcast. You'll find some episode notes, including links to sites we discussed, and maybe some details you missed. You'll also find offers from our sponsors, so please support our show by supporting them. And thank you. The unofficial Shopify podcast was recorded and hosted by me, Kurt Elster, produced by my business partner, Paul Rita, for our Shopify partner agency, EtherCycle. Check us out at ethercycle.com. Thanks for listening.